Thank you for listening to Lincoln Way Christian Church's podcast. Gene Vance Jr. Um, was a young man who lived sort of a dual life. On one hand, he was a cyclist who loved to ride his bike in the West Virginia hills. He also worked in a bike shop, and he was a newlywed. But uh, the other half of his life, he was a special forces guy who spoke Farsi. And he was sent in the December of 2001, to Afghanistan, to there to um, go and work with the U.S. forces. And on May 19, 2002, fighting broke out between the U.S. forces and suspected Taliban forces. And Gene Vance's dreams that he had were permanently put to rest. He died in that battle, and he gave his life for his country. For the hope of that tragedy to occur that would never occur again on 9-11, he gave up his life. And now he's just one of many that are on a list of people who have fought for our country to give us the freedom that we could gather in a place like this, in a time like this, without hindrance, without anybody saying that we can't. It also gave other people freedom to not be here, to not show up in church, and so that Americans can live in peace. And so some of you, by God's providence, have fought, have served our country to put your life on the line. And I, I just would like you if, you, if you have served our country in, uh, in, in one of our services, if, if you would stand up so that we can honor you and thank you for your sacrifice and for your willingness to sacrifice for us. And so if you would please stand. As you may know, there are several members of our congregation that are in the um, armed forces right now, and uh, there are family members that you have out there, or friends that are, that are out there right now. And um, talking to one man this morning, and his son's a Marine, and he's going to be going over to, to Iraq um, um, with, you know, with soon, and so for his second tour. And so let, let's pray for them, and then we'll get into God's Word this morning. Father God, we thank you for the grace that you've given to us we thank you for these men and women who put their lives on the line so that we can uh, worship you in freedom and in peace, Lord. Lord God, we pray for the, the soldiers, the sailors, uh, the Marines, the airmen, the Coast Guards. Lord God, we ask, Lord God, that your grace would be upon them and that you would sustain them and give them your strength so that they might live for your glory. Lord God, we thank you for the country you've given to us with all of its imperfections. And Lord, yet we choose to live here because of the grace you've given to us and the opportunities that are set before us. Help us to be good stewards of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
This week we're going to be getting a new series called Free, Liberated by Christ. And I believe that there are at least four things. There are many things that, are, that can be in the Christian's life and in the non-Christian's life and, and, and that can hold us back, that can put chains on us, put us in bondage. And so we're going to look at these four things, and, 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 and today we're going to look at one of them, but the four that are is excuses. Excuses can hold us back. Um, we, that can really pu- pull us back and pull us under. But also rules, a bunch of rules that are man-made can hold us back. And then also guilt. Nothing quite like guilt, right, folks, to hold us back. And today we're going to talk about fear. And I've been thinking a lot about fear and what makes us afraid of certain things. Now, some things that we're afraid of come in the form of, of, of surprises. Like, I, I'm afraid of snakes because they sort of surprise me. You know what I mean? They just, you know, you can't trust them. They're just going to come out and get you mess you up. You know, I don't, don't like snakes. And whenever Marilyn last week, uh, Laszlo talked about um, uh, this, the, the roof moving at nighttime with the snakes, I would be out of there. I don't like snakes. I don't like them at all, Sam I am, you know, kind of thing. I just don't like them. Because why? Because they surprise us. But I think there's another kinds of fears that come to the deep part of our our souls, sort of. And these fears usually come in the idea that we don't think that we're enough for the challenge that's before us, for the opportunity that's placed in line of us. About eight and a half years ago, I came here to Lincoln Way, and um, I was afraid. I didn't know if I was enough. I didn't know if I had enough. I didn't know if I could do enough to turn the thing around. And those of you who were here at that time, you were probably wondering the same thing, (laughs) and should have been, and should have been. We wondered. Did we have what it took? Were we enough? I think a lot of us wonder about that. I think a lot of us guys wonder about things. Are we strong enough for that thing that is before us? Or are we smart enough? Do we have the mental capacity to to do the job? Are Are we skilled enough to get it done? And am I fast enough? You know, we wonder about these things. And, you know, when it's quiet, whenever there's nothing else going around, we wonder in our souls, are we enough? Or do we have enough? Is there enough money? Is there enough time? Are there enough abilities? And others of you might ask questions like, am I lovable enough? Is there, is there something innate within me that makes me lovable, that makes me desirable? For some of you, you may wonder, am I gentle enough? Or or have I put up this this harshness before me and this this protective shell around me in order not to let anyone in? So we live in fear. For some, you wonder if you're pretty enough. And for many of us, the clock is ticking. And we wonder if there's enough time to do what we want to do with what we have to do we don't make a change now, then I'll miss out. And if I don't, it won't. And if it doesn't happen, it's because I've not taken a chance, but I'm afraid to because I'm not sure that I'm enough or if I have enough. And even with our relationship with God, we wonder. We wonder this, am I good enough? Am I good enough? Can I be good enough 
to be acceptable. And I've had a lot of people, I hope, you know, people say, are you going to go to heaven? They'll say, well, I hope I'm good enough. Hope I got what it takes. Others of you wonder in your prayer life, do I have access to God enough? Can I talk to God? Will he listen to me? Or do I need another mediator to, to talk for me? And so this morning, as we look at the book of Colossians, we're going to look at chapter 1, and um, if, if you want to turn there with me in your Bibles, I appreciate it. Um, in the Pew Bible, it's page 1,165, 1, okay? So if there's a Pew Bible, Bible in the Pew, you can turn to page 1,165. Um, it should be there somewhere around you, close by, within, within reaching distance, because I'm not putting it up on the screen, okay? All right, just to let you know. It ain't going up there anymore, all right? At least today, all right? Now, now this church, there was, like, there was a church that was experiencing this whole idea of not being enough. There, there was a little church in a little town called Colossae. It's a, it's a small church, and, and this town had experienced decline over the last several centuries, in about 500 B.C., it was at the top of its game. There was a, there's a river that flows through it. It was a major road that went through there. And their primary um, industry was wool. They were shepherds. And yet, over time, by the time Jesus comes along, the town had shrunk down to size. I mean, just had shrunk down to, to being a, a little town with a little church. As a matter of fact, this town ends up getting wiped out just shortly after Paul writes this letter, and they receive it, not, you know, a few years later, by an earthquake, and the town was no more. Paul had never been to this church at Colossae. The church was planted by a guy named Epaphras. Epaphras planted this church, and, and um, what happened is Epaphras had heard something about something going on in Ephesus, and he traveled from this little town of Colossae, went to Ephesus, got in contact with Paul. Paul converted him to Jesus Christ. And so after he had been discipled by Jesus Christ, by Paul about Jesus Christ, he goes back to Colossae and plants this church. As a matter of fact, he plants two churches. He also plants a church at Laodicea. And he plants this church, and this church has an influx of people who come into it, and some of them were false teachers. And these false teachers both, both basically ask question whether they were enough. Part of them, they were Judaizers, or they were people who said, now, in order for you to be a good Christian, you've got to follow all these rules. Here's a list of rules you've got to follow. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to, you've got to do these feasts. You've got to follow a bunch of rules. And if you follow a bunch of rules, then guess what? Then you'll be good enough, and then you'll have Jesus Christ, and then you'll be saved. But there was also this other group of people there who were influencing, and they come from the Greek religions, and this is a little weird to us, but they had these angels that they had to pray to. And so if you were going to be a good, if you were going to have access to God, if you were going to be good enough to access to God, you had to pray to an angel. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Anybody? Okay, sounds familiar. Okay, right, it sounds familiar to you. You, you know, you can't have access directly to God. You have to go through a mediator of an angel. Now, angels have become popular again, and um, there's a book called Angels Speak. And what this lady says is this. She says, um, encourages, and says this, she encourages every reader to keep the God you have, I guess whoever that might be, 
You do not have to change the God you know to understand angels. God is God. And she says, for example, whatever you need, your need, there is angels are ready to bring help. When you are in a dentist chair, ask for the angel of fearlessness to be with you. Perhaps the angel of strength and the angel of patience or the angel of calmness. For the dentist, ask for the angel of steady hands, you know, or the angel of painlessness. That's the kind of dentist I want is the painless kind. And now, uh, you know, ask for the angel of wisdom. Now, see, that sounds weird to me. But that book was written not that many years ago, like 1995. Because, see, what they, people believe is that we can't go directly to God. We can't go directly to Jesus Christ. We need somebody else because we're not enough. We're, Jesus isn't enough. See, this is the problem. And what happens is, you and I, when we think we're not enough, when we think we don't have enough, guess what? We become afraid. Because some of you today are facing some challenges in your life, and you're wondering if you have enough. You're wondering if you're strong enough. You're wondering if you're fast enough. You're wondering, and you're scared. You're afraid. And some of you guys are playing macho man kind of thing, Oh, I can do it myself, you know. But down deep, you know it's not enough. And so we look at this book, Colossae, book of Colossians. So we're going to start with verse 1. Okay, let's, let's start looking at the Scripture. Hope you find the Bible. Again, it's page number 1165 in your pew Bible. You want to turn there with me because you want to follow along with that. And um, let's look at God's word. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Now, that's who's writing the book, okay? Whenever the Bible starts out, whenever that, that, when they wrote letters back then, they didn't write, Dear Colossi Church, okay? Dear Colossians. He wrote, whoever was writing it said their name first. It sort of makes sense. Rather than reading this long letter and then coming to the end of the thing, you already know. Okay, I'm going to listen to this person, or no, I'm not going to listen to this person, because you have it right up at the front. You don't have to look at the back first. I mean, how many times you get a letter, do you look at the, who signed it at the, before you read it? Okay, they just made it a little easier. Okay, and it says, To the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God. Now, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. So one of the things he does is he prays for them. And I want you to look for some of the things that he's thankful for about the church at Colossae. He says, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and, your, and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood Christ, God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. 
Now, when he talks about this, he, he commends them for two things. First of all, he commends them for their faith, right? Their faith in God, their faith in Jesus Christ. First, it's this vertical relationship with God. And the second thing that they, he commends them for um, is, verse 5, uh, verse 4, the love you have for all the saints. Now, that is horizontal love. He's not talking about saints that some of you used to pray to, or maybe some of you still do. He's not talking about, you know, St. Peter, St. Paul, St. Mary, you know. He's talking about, you know, St. Jeff and St. Eric and St. Rod and St. Vicky and, you know, St. Pat and St. Jimmy, you know. That's who he's talking about. He's talking about the people, okay? It's horizontal. I notice I went to this side, Tom. No, no just kidding you. It was talking about they have great faith and they have great love because they have hope. They have hope of heaven. They have this great hope in heaven and there's, it's springing up inside of them. And so that's the great thing, okay? And he's thankful for that. But I want to focus our time on verses 9 through 14 because this is what he prays for them. And let's look at this. He says, For this reason, verse 9, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. See, Paul wants them to understand God's will. They want them to understand God's will. And this will, understanding God's will, comes through spiritual understanding and wisdom. And you're going, oh, man, why would he say that? Why, what's that so important? Well, the spiritual understanding and wisdom is that we've got to get on track with God. We've got to get on track with God's stuff, okay? We've got to get on track with Jesus' stuff. And that's what he's telling them. And then so, so back then, because they didn't have a whole lot of Bibles, they did not have a whole, you know, they, they didn't have... They had the Old Testament, but they didn't have a whole lot of stuff. They needed spiritual wisdom and understanding. They needed that. And so we have today, we, guess what we have? We have God's Word, the Bible, right? And we have God's Spirit that will lead us. Remember, if it's not in God's Word and you think it's God's Spirit, God's Spirit's always going to line up with God's Word, okay? I just want to, because sometimes people say, oh, no, the Spirit told me I know what God's will is, and no, Always got to line up with God's word, okay? Now, notice what he prays next here. So look at this. Look at verse 10. And we pray this. Why does he want them to know God's will? Here it is. This, in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. See, the purpose of knowing God's will isn't simply so that I can be the smartest guy in small group. It is not that we would know God's will so that we can know the Bible better than anyone else or that we can come off as the most spiritual as anyone else. The reason that we need to know what God's will is and be full of spiritual understanding and wisdom is so that we can experience having a life that is worthy of the Lord and will please Him in every way. See, He wants life change, doesn't He? The reason he wants you and me to know God's will is so that we will do God's will, have God's will in our lives, be obedient to God's will. That's why. So that we will live a life worthy of the Lord. Then, I mean, Paul's so great here. He, he, he then defines what that's going to look like. What does a, a, a life of doing God's will going to look like? Look what he says. Um, 
look what he, after the colon there, he gives us this little colon. Please him in every way. Gives us a little colon, right? In the New International Version, it says, here's what it's going to have in there. Bearing fruit in every good work. Okay? A life that is pleasing to God, the life that is worthy of the Lord is going to bear fruit. Secondly, it's going to grow, in, growing in the knowledge of God. That we're going to know God better and better and better and better. And it says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. That you might have power in your life. Isn't that neat? So that you are living a life of power. If you, if, you're, if you are living a life of power in all the good sense that that can be, God's will. Also part of God's will is here. Look, look, look. And joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Isn't that cool? Now, when I look at that list, okay, on a life that pleases God, and a life that is worthy of the Lord, I go, that's hard to do. Right? I mean, to think about it, bear fruit, live with power in your life so that you have the endurance and the patience. I mean, I have a hard enough time being patient with the driver in front of me, let alone the stuff that he's talking about here. Okay? I mean, I, this, is, this is tough stuff, isn't it? Joyfully giving thanks. Isn't that, that's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? That's just hard. And when I realize it, I look at that, live with power, and that I might know God. Wow, I mean, God's like huge. Those are hard things, aren't they? And, and I look at them and I go, I can't do them. And you know what? You can't do them either. Not on your own power, not on your own strength. You and I can't do it. Let's just say you can't do it. I can't do it. Can you do it on your own? How long can you do it if you can do it? You can't do it very long. Day, hour, this morning before you came here, 15 seconds. And that was while you were still in bed. I mean, we can't, okay, we did it should be on. But, 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 but look at verse 12. Verse 12 is a great verse. Look at it. Giving thanks to God the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Oh, boy, this is great. It says here these words, he has qualified you. I love this. You know, and when we think about being qualified, it's amazing what this word, word unpacks. Imagine that you were the president of the United States. Remember, they're going to have a little election next year. You might have heard about it, you know. And maybe you're one of the 15,000 people running for president. And, and by, by chance, you are elected president. One of the Supreme Court justices, while you are president, dies off, which is not a hard thing to think about because have you looked at those people? Okay, all right. All right, you've looked at and And you have been given the job of finding a Supreme Court justice to fill that place. And so what you do is that you call your neighbor down the street and you say, hey, Billy Joe, would you be... <laughs> Billy Joe. <laughs> uh, that, that's, his brother's name is Billy Joe, and he told me that this morning. And, yeah, you, you call Billy Joe and you say, Billy Joe, I want you to be my Supreme Court justice. <laughs> 
Okay? Now, is that a great honor? But does that qualify him to be a Supreme Court justice? Does that qualify Billy, Billy Joe to be a Supreme Court? No. Okay? Now, imagine, though, if you had the ability as president. Now, this is, this is really imaginary. Is that not only were you able to give him the position of being the Supreme Court justice, but you also gave them instantaneously the ability to be the Supreme Court justice and instantaneously gave them the wisdom to be a Supreme Court justice, then that person is what? Qualified to be a Supreme Court justice. And so what Paul's saying here is that our Heavenly Father, when you accept Jesus Christ, now, now this is, Christians, when you accept Jesus, accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you placed your faith in Him, when you repented of your sins, when you were baptized into His name, guess what? The Heavenly Father qualified you, qualified you, to be an, to share in the inheritance of the Son with the saints. You see that? You are qualified. You have been made enough. See, our Heavenly Father makes us enough through Jesus. He qualifies us. He makes us enough so that we can face these fears of not being enough. He qualifies us. Um, we are enough in that we share in this inheritance of the kingdom of light. Inheritance takes these people back when they hear this back to Israel. When they were given the inheritance of the land. Now, how are we made qualified? Let's continue on, verse 13, 14. This is so cool, too. This is just, isn't God's word cool? Do you realize that you're qualified? Young people, you're qualified. Okay? For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What do we see? How are we made qualified? First of all, we are rescued. The idea of being set free. The Israelites were in bondage in Egypt. They were enslaved in Egypt. What happened? God came down, whoo, grabbed them, pulled them through the Red Sea, brought them into the desert. Guess what? He rescued them from the bondage of being in Israel. And what he's saying to you and to I is that he's rescued us from the dominion, the rulership, the control of the dominion of darkness. Woo! That's good news. Right? Is that good news? Yeah, it's good news. I mean, it is. It's good news. The dominion of darkness is Satan and devil. I mean, this is a spiritual warfare we're in. We're not playing games here, folks. This is the real game. This is the... This is the real stuff. This is battle. This is war. And he's saying, Jesus Christ is the one who has rescued us and lifted us out of the dominion of darkness. And not only that, he has redeemed us by the forgiveness of sins. In other words, he has paid the debt. That's how he's done this. He has made you enough because he has rescued you and because he's redeemed you. Woo! I mean, that just makes me excited. I mean, think about it. You're redeemed 
and you're rescued. And see, what, what it is, is it comes down to this. You don't have to be enough because Jesus is more than enough. Jesus is more than enough. Jesus is supreme. He's the one who rescues. He's the one who redeems. He's the one who buys you out. That's the cool thing. See, 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 see too many of us want to add on. We want to add on to our faith. We don't think Jesus is enough. We think we have to do Jesus plus. We do. We think we have to do Jesus plus. Jesus plus what? Oh, we'll come up with something. You know? Because this certainly can't be true. Right? That's what we do. I mean, that is what we do. That is what we want, Jesus plus. Scripture here makes it clear that Jesus, that Jesus is enough to free us from the dark kingdom. He is enough to free you and me from the dark kingdom. He is enough to set us free from that. See, and if, he's, and if we are able to grab a hold of this, we're able to grab a hold of this part here. To realize that we are in a spiritual warfare and we're able to grab a hold of this idea that Jesus is enough in this spiritual warfare, guess what we will do? We will attach ourselves to him, won't we? Completely, fully. That's what we'll do. But if we think, but if we think there's something if, that we have to do, there's something, if I don't, it won't, We'll get ourselves off on some tra rabbit trail over here that will not help us live the Christian life. See, because Jesus is enough to free us from the dark kingdom, he is also enough to make us enough, qualify us, so that we don't have to live with fear. So when we read that passage in verses 10 through 12, and when Paul prays and Timothy pray, and, 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 and Tim, Paul's in jail now, and he's, he's, he's in jail, and, and, and he's, he's living his life out, and what he's doing for the church is writing letters and praying, and if he gets to talk to somebody. And this is what he says, we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, and that would please him in every way, that you'd bear fruit. That, 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 that in every good work and in growing in the knowledge of God and being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Because Jesus is enough. He's qualified you so that you can participate in this and let him do it through you. As you connect to Jesus, you can bear fruit. As you connect to Jesus, you can have the power. All right? As you connect to Jesus, as you connect deeply with him, your life will be marvelously transformed. When you connect to Jesus, you can have power that gives you patience and endurance. That you can give thanks joyfully, no matter what the circumstances. And I have seen people in no matter what circumstances give thanks to the Lord. For he is good and his love endures forever. Now, this is, I just want to sort of map this out. 
some of us here have been rescued and have been redeemed. And you decided at one point in your life that you were not going to live in the kingdom of darkness. However, what has happened over time is that you were living your Christian life and sometimes it felt like you were out in the wilderness and by yourself and you looked back to Egypt, you looked back to the kingdom of darkness or the dominion of darkness and you said, I'm going to go back there because it's better. Now, you may come here to church on Sunday morning or go wherever you go, but you basically are living in the dominion of darkness. Now, you may not be under its control again yet, you may not be under its dominion, but you're living there. You're living in the shadows. Some of you are playing it. You're, 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 you're sort of like, you know, it's like, it's like there's these shadowy places. It's not quite all the way dark there, but you sort of stick your one foot in there and one foot out. And you're sort of playing this game, living in the dark, living under the dominion of darkness and sort of living in the kingdom of light. And you're really not said whose team you are on. We don't know if you're like a double agent for Satan. You know? Just a thought. You know, you sort of work in both sides of the team. And, and, and some of you have left the dominion of darkness, but you're still living in fear. You keep asking yourself, am I good enough? Do I have enough? You're still living in fear. You don't need to live there. You're enough through Jesus Christ. You are. Others of you... You came here today, and you weren't expecting this, and that's okay. Most of us weren't. <laughs> Some of you are living in the dominion of darkness, and you've never checked out the light that much. You, 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 oh, you may be a good person, but you're relying upon yourself, and you're just sort of living here in this dominion of darkness, and and, you're, and, and it's not working for you because you can't see. It's dark. There's no light there. And you need to come out. Today's the day. Today's the day to let Jesus rescue you. Today's the day to let Jesus redeem you. And so this morning, I'm going to ask the band to start showing up. Band, wherever you are. Come on out. Oh, there's band. There's a good deal. We're working on the other two-thirds. I want to give you an opportunity to make a decision. Some of you need to put the line in the sand. You know that you, you've, you've, you've crossed over, but you've been living back in there, and you, want, you need to get out. And you need to the stake, put the stake in the ground again and say, you know what? I'm tired of the darkness. I'm tired of doing the Pat Benatar thing. I belong, you know, we belong to the night. We belong to the thunder. You know, you're tired of that, okay? You've been playing that game long enough. Others of you have never lived on this side of the darkness. You've never received the inheritance that Jesus Christ offers you. And I want to challenge you today to make a decision. Others of you need to just need to come up here and pray. So 
I'm going to invite you, if you want to make a decision for Jesus Christ, one way or another, you want to pray, just come up. We've got an altar here. It's called Steps. Come up and pray. I asked a couple of people to come up to, to just sort of help us. If you want to pray with somebody, that opportunity is there. If you want to say, you know what, I want to cross over. I want to make that inheritance. I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Don't take it as a mamby-pamby thing. Jesus Christ asked you to do this. He asked you to say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and believe it and hold on to it. He asked you to repent of your sins. In other words, I'm not going to live in that dark shadow world. I'm going to live in the light world. And he's going to ask you. He's, what he wants of you is for you to make that kind of confession. And he wants you to be immersed into his name. That's what he wants you to be. For the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy, Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask you, make a decision. Make a call. This is about Jesus. All right? Let's stand and let them sing.